Wireless. It's what's carrying your data, and today, Cambium Network sponsors the Packet Pushers for a discussion about Wi-Fi in your enterprise, and a mention just on the side of an outdoor wireless solution that's kind of cool, 14x14 MIMO. Enough with your piddly 3x3 and 4x4, 8x8. Cambium's got 14x14, which we'll mention along the way. And then joining us from Cambium, we've got Puneet Bata, Director of Engineering for Wi-Fi, Chitan Hebele, Senior Director, Product Management, and Trevor Miranda, a software architect, joining us on the mic. And uh, Chitan, let's start with you. If you would, remind us what Cambium Networks is all about. I mean, you guys were on back in February 2016 with the show, and if you're listening, this was Priority Q Show 74. But for those who maybe missed that show, Chitan, would you remind us uh, who Cambium is and what you guys do? Cambium Networks is uh, what we like to call both a young but experienced company. We are a spin-off of Motorola uh, in 2011, and since then, we've been a privately held company. But because of our rich legacy coming out of Motorola, we have over 5 million radios in operation around the world. We're deployed in all six continents in over 150 countries, and we have over 2,000 wars and system integrator partners and distributor partners in our network. And we back all of this up with four R&D centers around the world two here in the United States. The Wi-Fi team here is based out of Silicon Valley and our other offices in Chicago. And then we have offices in UK and in India. Just to give you a flavor of what kind of company we are, we hold the world record for the longest wireless link right here in the United States between Colorado and Wyoming. We have a link that goes over 244 kilometers wirelessly. And the latency is low enough that you can make phone calls over that link. So our expertise, our calling card is wireless technology. And in the last one year, we've brought that expertise that we've gained deploying and building great outdoor products to building Wi-Fi products. Okay, so you guys are hardcore wireless, wireless in a number of different applications, indoor, outdoor, enterprise, uh, service provider. You guys are wireless. Okay, that's a good reminder for all of us here. Okay, so since you guys are wireless experts and that's what you guys do, there's one just kind of before we get into talking about products and things like that. I want you guys to explain something for all of us that are listening. Why is it that you can have great Wi-Fi signal strength? When you look at your device, signal strength is just amazing. All the bars are there for that AP you're connected to, but your throughput is absolutely terrible. Puneet, maybe you want to explain that to us, what the issues are there? Sure. That's a good question, Greg. And that's something that we hear a lot from our customers as well. When you see a good signal strength, you would assume that you would get good throughput. And for the most part, there is a good relationship between the signal strength and throughput. As you are closer to the AP, as you can hear the AP better, you would get good throughput. But at the end of the day, Wi-Fi is a shared medium. And your effective throughput also depends upon what's happening in the environment around you. So for instance, if your neighbor is running a lot of data traffic, you would be affected by that since you're sharing the same airtime. If you have neighboring access points or other sources of interference, they would take away useful airtime. So while your signal strength by itself would still look good, your usable airtime for throughput would be lower than what you would expect. So those are the reasons typically why people see bad throughput, even if the signal strength is nice. Ah. And I'm going to guess when I go out to a public hotspot, they maybe have one access point in the facility and there's about 300 people trying to use that one access point too. Right. So one good way to mitigate this other than you know good channel planning and RF management is to plan for the density that you expect. So for example, you know, like you mentioned, a coffee shop or if you have any public place with lots of clients, you would want to have more cells. You would want to increase the AP density and have one access point serve up more number of clients 
that are all close to it. That way, all those clients have a good user experience. So network planning, the capacity of the access points, and channel and power management play a big role in, in the effective throughput that people would see. Okay, so let's actually, this, this is kind of a fun jump-off point here to get into a specific scenario. My favorite one are restaurants. I love restaurants that have public Wi-Fi. I look for the sign and I get all excited because that means I can sit there with my laptop and I can work, which I like to do. It's a break from the office, go into a different environment. And when the Wi-Fi is good, it's really strong. In other words, I get, I get great throughput to the internet from that place. I get excited and then I'm a repeat customer. I keep going back there. All right. So if I'm an owner of a restaurant and I'm going to offer public Wi-Fi and I'm coming to Cambium, what do you spec for me? What do you, what kind of a system do I put in place so that everyone in the restaurant has a good Wi-Fi experience? Sure. So our Cambium CN Pilot E400 access point would be a good solution for installing Wi-Fi in a restaurant. This is an 802.11ac 2 cross 2 Wi-Fi access point. It is dual band, so it supports both 2.4 as well as the 5 gigahertz radio at the same time. The access point can be managed from CN Maestro, which is our controller. CN Maestro is available in two flavors. You can have an on-premise version. So let's say you want to run it on a server in your office or in the restaurant, you can do that. We also have a cloud version. So you can manage your access point remotely from the cloud. You don't need any controller hardware. If it's a small restaurant, you might even get away with having just one access point installed in the center. If it's larger, you can have multiple APs installed. And all of these can be managed altogether from CN Maestro. Now, in addition to the Wi-Fi service itself, CN Maestro also provides you a built-in hotspot. We see restaurants who would like to have a landing page or a splash page for the guests who come in. So this can be a place where you can have advertisements for the restaurant. You can even have you know, advertisements from your neighborhood. So it can be a way to monetize the Wi-Fi for the restaurant. And all of this is all bundled together for us in CN Pilot and CN Maestro as one oh. solution for retail and enterprise. And when you bundle our outdoor and indoor, let's say you've got a patio area to cover, we can mesh between the outdoor and indoor. So you don't have to pull a separate line to go provide that outdoor patio coverage. You mm. can connect your outdoor uh, wirelessly into the indoor product as long as you have good uh, signal strength. And yeah. that makes and it a power, very convenient deployment. You just, have, you just connect to a, a nearest power socket in that point, but you don't need to run a copper cable and it, do PoE. Exactly. You don't have to, is what I'm saying. You could if you wanted to, but you don't have to. Exactly. That's mm. exactly correct. So you've got choices there. The mesh is actually a good way in a restaurant because running cable, there's often power sockets all over the place, but there's not always running cable. You know, you maybe have a problem with your tenancy. You're not allowed to change certain parts of the decor necessarily. Correct. Right, and mesh is easy to set up, easy to install, and you can avoid the cable run. So, yep. So, I want to back up to the. You mentioned a specific access point. I think you said CN Pilot, the 400 model AP. So, you mentioned that that's got a couple of different radios in it. So, I can go 2.4 and I can go 5 gigahertz. What sort of clients do I still need to be supporting in 2016? I mean, do I need to go all the way back to 802.11b? So, we do allow support for 802.11b clients. We would really wish everybody moves to 11N and 11AC. On the 5 <laughs> gigahertz, the spectrum is a lot cleaner, a lot nicer. But yes, the access point does support 802.11B. If it's a controlled environment like an office, we would even recommend people turn off support for 11B and 11G. Keep only the more efficient, newer radio protocols enabled. But we still see a handful of older clients, especially in, in some cases where restaurants might have a point-of-sale system. So a barcode scanner or a printer or a point-of-sale system, which might still be 11B or 11G, 
but smartphones and the tendency for people to refresh their smartphones every couple of years as new models come out have made most of these mobile devices move to 5 gigahertz do you still see a significant number i mean once in a while right you like uh terminals and so on uh, b or g uh, radios in them but for the most part do you still see a significant percentage of those really old clients out there we see a trend uh, towards uh, clients becoming 11ac capable more and more clients that we see nowadays are 11ac in fact the b client is likely an exception and typically a point of sale system or a old barcode scanner is where we would still see 11b or 11g otherwise all the phones the tablets laptops they all tend to be dual band and the e400 also supports a feature called band steering so if you have a device that is dual band capable we would try to nudge that client towards the 5g radio because the spectrum is a lot cleaner it's a lot wider you have higher data rates so it's a much more efficient use of the spectrum and it provides the user a much better experience because your throughput will be a lot higher mm. on the 5g radio there's a whole bunch of technology enhancements under the hood there that just makes it work better so that a lot of the times the problems with your wifi just go away because of these new standards that's how i see it that's right that's mm. a good point so as as the standards have evolved in addition to speeds and feeds they've also made a lot of enhancements at the mac layer and even in the chipsets the quality of the newer chipsets is a lot better than some of the older ones mhm and that has led to a better user experience with the newer devices Yeah but 5 gigahertz I mean it, it yes it has all of those signaling enhancements and so on but it does have a fundamental disadvantage versus 2.4 with just penetration and attenuation through solid devices wood and uh, and so on can you know, really weaken the ultimate signal that you get does that come into the design consideration when you're running 5 versus 2.4 Yes yeah, so that's a good point so typically when you install you would want your access point to have even sized cells on both bands and then you would see the 5 gigahertz run typically at a higher transmit power and the 2.4 sort of reduced transmit power to keep the cell sizes manageable it also depends a lot on the applications that you have so if you're running let's say in a restaurant and you have a single access point then you would typically just run it at max range and then once a client goes out of range of 5 gig he might fall back to 2.4 but if you're in an enterprise and you're running short small cells the extra range that 2.4 might give you may not really help that much because by the time you're out of the range of fights it's a time to be under a second mm. access point and it's also a lot of the times with 2.4 because the signal goes so far it's just subject to more interference that is if you put too many access points in a short space the signal start overlapping and cause negative impacts it's like if you have too many noises in a room you can't hear the single noise that you're trying to hear so if you put three different ra- three radios all playing three different songs you can't hear your songs and that's one of the things that happens with wifi access points if they're all in the same space so 5 gigahertz has a lot more channels and it's a lot easier to listen on those different channels at 5 gig so even though it doesn't go as far it actually works better overall i this think there's also a number of enhancements that cambium does to improve this as well right right and this goes back to the question you asked earlier about why can i have great wifi signal strength but terrible throughput this is why you don't necessarily want to blast your radio at full power so for example the 400s you might want to tune down the power on 2.4 compared to what you have on 5 gigahertz you might even want to tune down both the radios depending on how dense a deployment you have you establish a minimum throughput you expect from each client and set up your ap layout based on that and the good thing about having two radios 2.4 and 5 gigahertz is that you can keep the legacy clients on 2.4 while the newer smartphones or tablets could use the 5 gigahertz radio 
And our APs have features like band steering, which will steer the more capable clients to the higher performance 5 gigahertz radio, where you have more spectrum, cleaner spectrum, and can achieve higher throughputs. That band steering feature, is that unique per vendor, how you guys implement that? Or is that a standard where no matter what, if it's got two radios in it, I can anticipate that I'm going to get steered up to 5 gigahertz if uh, I have a client that's capable of it? There are standards uh, in Wi-Fi that let you steer a client towards a particular AP. But for the most part, the devices you see out in the field in real life don't support that. The particular implementation you're talking about, band steering, that is proprietary. We use certain heuristics to detect whether a particular client would perform better if it was steered to the 5 gigahertz radio and then do that on a per-client basis. So I want to flip back to the outdoor uh, version of the access point now and the mesh setup. So yes, very handy. I'm in, I've got an indoor AP, I've got an outdoor AP, but I don't, it would just be too painful to get a wire back through the building for that outdoor access point. So I can do mesh and backhaul to my indoor AP and then, uh, and then to the main network. Okay. So talk to me about that. Am I giving up a radio to make that happen? No, so when you configure mesh on the Cambium access points, the radio does double duty. So although you're not giving up the whole radio, you are going to lose some time on the spectrum because the radio has to service clients and it's going to also perform mesh. So you don't have to dedicate the radio to mesh, but you'll end up sharing the airtime between mesh and uh, data traffic. One thing that's unique to Cambium is in addition to mesh, we also have the point-to-multipoint and point-to-point products. So we have multiple options if you want to have a wireless backhaul. Mesh is easy to set up, easy to install, but Mesh would end up using up some of the airtime from that one radio. On the other hand, you could pair up our access point with some of our uh, point-to-multipoint products or point-to-point products. And that's one way to get a strong, reliable backhaul link, especially if you're outdoors in an urban environment. That kind of a setup works much better than uh, trying to have a Mesh connection out in the city. While if you're in a restaurant or if you're in a small coffee shop, mesh is a small, easy, quick, and convenient way to get wireless backhaul. Yeah, because in the open air or at longer distances, there's much more chance or the risk is that something else will interfere. Buildings, line of sights, trees, you know, anything can get in the way, whereas inside a restaurant you own, and it's pretty easy to visually check everything out too. That's right. Yeah, one example where people use this combination is RV parks or campgrounds which can cover several tens of thousands of square feet or could be even larger. You don't really want to use mesh when you're trying to connect two points that are a few hundred feet away. You're much more susceptible to interference. The protocols aren't really designed to provide a guaranteed level of service. So in this case, we recommend, and many of our customers do implement, a combination of a point-to-multipoint or point-to-point products along with our Wi-Fi products. So with the Wi-Fi products, providing access to the clients, backed up by a point-to-point subscriber module that connects back to a point-to-multipoint AP that's connected to your wired backhaul. And that's something that's been around for a while. So that's a wireless idea that many people use, that you use point-to-point wirelesses, and it's about the antennas being focused at a single point. So you can focus all the power into a very narrow beam, and that allows you to just get the signal going down a particular, it's almost like a cable, a point-to-point wireless connection, or it can be, can't it? That's right. And uh, that's a very important distinction we bring to that market, uh, because now what happens is we're one of the few companies that can provide all of these solutions under one roof. So depending on your price point, affordability, and the type of service level you want, you could go with the 
convenience of mesh or with the sort of the proven uh, nature of the point-to-point long-distance links. Mm. You have all the antennas and the equipment to go with that. So it's not like I have to go and buy those antennas from some third party. You supply and support all of those items. That's correct. And and not only do we supply the equipment, we also have a common management system because that's been one of the biggest pain points in the market is people who provided backhaul links typically didn't provide Wi-Fi and vice versa. So now with Cambium, we've tied all of this together. So you have one single pane of glass from which you can manage both the point-to-point link mm-hmm. providing the backhaul to your Wi-Fi and your Wi-Fi itself and the clients attached to your Wi-Fi, everything from one screen. And we do have a few enhancements that make life easier when deploying in such circumstances. For example, our outdoor Wi-Fi product, the E500, has a PoE output. That might not seem like much, but let's say you're deploying a point-to-multipoint subscriber module in combination with a Wi-Fi AP. Normally, you'd have to run two cables to supply power to each of these. While with our products, all you do is supply power to the outdoor Wi-Fi product, and that in turn is daisy-chained with the point-to-multipoint subscriber module. So we have a number of such enhancements that let you make life easier when deploying outdoor Wi-Fi. And of course, our management system lets you troubleshoot and configure all these devices in Unison. You have a single look at what your network deployment looks like, what are all the point-to-multipoint devices, what are all the Wi-Fi devices. When you have issues, you can troubleshoot all these as a unified network. You have a single screen showing you, okay, maybe my point-to-point device is down, maybe my Wi-Fi device is down. You just look up a subscriber and you know what are all the wireless links that might affect this particular subscriber through this single management platform. Through the management platform, though, am I able to get at all of the minutiae, all of the little settings that I would want to set? And, and I say that coming from an enterprise wireless background where there just seemed like there was an endless number of screens and tabs of things that could be tweaked, everything from signal strength to the various SSIDs and the security that would back them for uh, association and then what your channel mappings were going to look like. And it just it just kind of went on and on and on. Of necessity, you know, you wanted to be able to to manhandle all of those things in the enterprise environment, especially the one I was in that was quite noisy. Do I have that same kind of power here? So, yes. So we have a balance of uh, the GUI configuration and then the advanced knobs that only some people may need to tweak sometimes. But CN Maestro gives you both options for configuration. So you have a simpler view that, you know, uh, all your parameters like your SSID, your passphrases, your radius servers. All of that can be configured through the GUI. And then there's an advanced configuration section where you may have some knobs that are needed only for some cases. That's when you get into that and you can start playing around with those. So you're not overwhelmed with, you know, 100 knobs as soon as you go to the configuration section. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I'm just, I'm just reminiscing about a particular interface I'd spent quite a lot of time with. And it became an art to know which screen and then which tab, and then which thing inside of that tab on that screen to click to get to that one setting you needed. So and there was just no hierarchy to it. It was kind of brutal. Uh, something that's been simplified so that the things I need the most are there, right on top, easy to get at, sounds nice, but yet still being able to get at all the nerd knobs uh, on the chance that I need them is pretty important too. But I mean, it's fair to say you guys have designed this for ease of use, yes? Yes. So in, in terms of management, in terms of configuration, firmware upgrade, statistics, ease of use and scalability and reliability have been our three main focus areas. We don't want our, our screens to look like an aircraft cockpit, you know, with 100 knobs and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
you want to bring out what is important to the user you want to you know easily flag alarms all of your devices can be arranged in a hierarchy and because they're all cambium devices they can also learn the hierarchy on their own so let's say you have an access point behind a subscriber module behind an ap if you want you can drag drop and build that hierarchy but because they are cambium devices and they know okay this is my upstream device this is my next hop all of that tree also gets built automatically so it's ease of use and then you have the flexibility to move and drag drop if you want now we were talking about indoor and outdoor access points here in the 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 pilot uh, line and then out of the pilot line there's this other thing that we mentioned in the intro at the top of the show this this thing you guys have called medusa CN Medusa, 14 by 14 MIMO. I just wanted to take a minute and talk about it. I know it's not exactly in the wheelhouse of the enterprise who are going to need this thing. It's more of a service provider device. I just thought it was so cool. And I just, could you guys tell us what this thing is and what it does? Sure. We'll give you a brief intro, but for anyone who's interested, uh, you know, you can hop on over to our website and there's a ton of videos explaining in much more detail what CN Medusa does. Uh, CN Medusa is our newest release. Uh, it came out last month. It's a 14 by 14 multi-user MIMO access point. And by access point, we mean it's like a base station that can beam uh, signals to a very high density of CPE modules. So you, typically, it's used in last mile access. And one of the things we we're very proud of with our 14 by 14 array is that Anything above 8 by 8 is called massive MIMO, and, and this is super massive MIMO. And we're, as far as we know, we're one of the first companies in the world to implement a commercial-grade 14 by 14 system that's already seeing a lot of ISPs around the world start to trial it. One application where it fits into Wi-Fi is this product supports operation in unlicensed 5 gigahertz, and uh, you can use this as a backhaul in high-density Wi-Fi deployments where you can uh, take a Wi-Fi access point, hang a CPE off of it, and then and run, run it back into the CN Medusa access point. And, and what that does is, one of the ways multi-user MIMO works best is when access points are, when these subscriber modules are fixed or the clients are fixed in one location, and CN Medusa combines beam forming with its 14 by 14 array. So you get very targeted beams that avoid interference and, and can give you a much higher throughput, much lower uh, latency, and much higher service level. And, and we think where the world is headed, uh, there'll be a lot more outdoor access points wirelessly backhauled compared to the days of fiber. So this is uh, definitely a mm. product that we think is uh, getting a lot of carriers around the world interested yeah. in outdoor application. So MIMO, for those of you who don't know, is multiple input, multiple output. Most people think of a Wi-Fi as transmitting one way and receiving on another signal. That's one channel MIMO. That's a one input, one output. 14-channel MIMO means I'm transmitting on 14 wireless channels at the same time. So I'm receiving 14 inputs and I'm making 14 outputs. And the reason that that is so complicated is because you're actually then managing, uh, when you transmit data, you're transmitting it across 14 separate channels simultaneously. And then you also have to be able to process the data and all those sorts of things. That is a really substantial challenge, right? Yeah, and I'd like to point out that this is not just MIMO. This is multi-user MIMO. So when you have a CN Medusa that's 14 by 14, it is potentially talking to up to seven different subscriber modules at the same time. So you have seven different point-to-multipoint subscriber modules, each talking two by two to a CN Medusa AP. 
Of course, uh, the performance you actually see in, in real life varies, but we have seen a substantial improvement over uh, older systems that simply have one AP talking to one subscriber module at a time. And to just give you a feel of what a breakthrough 14 by 14 MIMO is, uh, Wi-Fi APs today are generally 4x4 MU MIMO, the Wave 2 11AC APs. People are talking about 8x8 APs sometime in the future. Maybe we'll see them. Maybe we'll have to wait for 11AX to see that. Even LTE doesn't really talk about anything beyond 8x8 MU MIMO. So this is a real shipping product which is in use today that can do 14x14 MU MIMO. And again, not for the enterprise. It's a, it's really service provider last mile sort of application. And by by last mile, let's get specific. How far can you actually go with a solution like this? Obviously, the range you would get would depend on the kind of service you're trying to provide, and that's a difficult question to answer in absolute terms, right? Uh, you could go a few miles, tens of miles, twenty miles. But the good thing is we have a great tool called Link Planner. It's a free tool anybody can download from our website. You can plug in the locations of all your subscribers. You can plug in the location of the APO plank to install. This is integrated with Google Earth. And this tool will immediately tell you what kind of service you can provide at that location and what kind of throughput you would expect. Because if it's integrated with Google Earth, you're, what that implies to me is you know the topography of the land between the base station and the subscriber. And so if there's uh, hills in the way and these sorts of things that would impact line of sight, you can take that into account. Absolutely. So, you know, for example, even if you're an existing point-to-multipoint install and you're getting a particular performance out of it, you can immediately plug in the same values and see what you would get by replacing an older point-to-multipoint AP with C and Medusa. Because keep in mind, for these kind of service providers, a very important consideration is efficient use of their spectrum, right? When you're outdoors, you have a lot of interference. You're operating in the unlicensed band for cost reasons. And you have other folks also using that, and you have to share the unlicensed band with them. So when you do find a clean chunk of spectrum, you want to use it as efficiently as possible. And CN Medusa lets you do absolutely that. In a 20 megahertz spectrum, it provides, it lets you go up to 400 megabits per second. We have other features like GPS synchronization that let us go up to efficiencies like 40 bits per second per hertz when deployed under such circumstances. Products like these let you make full use of whatever spectrum you have, let service providers deploy high-performance wireless links despite be operating in the unlicensed plan. And, and uh, to add to Trevor's point, I think what that translates into is a network capacity. We're able to pack more bits into the same spectrum that was so a much more efficient use of the spectrum. I want one for the house. I mean, I know I don't need one at all, but that's <laughs> just... Ah, I love cool things, and that and Medusa, CN Medusa is a cool thing. Um, maybe I'll just you don't need to do Greg since I live out in the sticks way up here in Northeast US. I need to just start my own wireless service provider. It's what needs to happen. Probably what you need to do is build a shed up on the top of a hill, like a a, a little retreat, and then use something like this to get some Wi-Fi out there. You know, I think you guys would enjoy visiting our labs in Rolling Meadows and watch one of these APs stock to a hundred, a hundred and fifty subscriber modules at the same time. <laughs> Well, let's flip the conversation back to the pilot stuff where we started here. We talked about indoor and outdoor flavors of the uh, the pilot AP, and we talked about a restaurant application specifically, but I, it's not like the only place you can put these restaurants. Where are the other target markets? Where else are you guys seeing uh, pilot have good success? We're actually seeing this 
across the world in uh, in a couple of different verticals over and over again. We're seeing people deploy them both in the outdoor service provider market. We're seeing universities deploy it for outdoor coverage, uh, education institutions uh, for outdoor and indoor coverage. Uh, we're also seeing this in malls and multi-dwelling units as well. So multi-dwelling units, education institutions, uh, hospitality is one uh, is, is a big uh, deal as well. Uh, especially because of our wireless backhaul products, we're seeing within the hospitality sector, we're seeing this in resorts as well, where they're using a combination of our wireless backhaul product and our Wi-Fi to bring internet and Wi-Fi access to resorts, which which are typically in uh, far-off places. I would love to see you guys in more uh, hospitalities and resorts. So many of the places I go, it's just very sad, sad trombone when you get in and you look at the the access points. And uh, I've got a, a nice little tool called um, NetSpot, I think, that will give me an analysis of all of the APs that are in the air, the SSIDs and who makes them. And uh, I need, to, I want to see more Cambium out there. Anyway, improve the throughput because it's so – hotel Wi-Fi is such a depressing thing. It just is. <laughs> One hospitality at a time. And it's a very important criteria, right? Nowadays, when we look for hotels, as we read reviews – uh, in fact, there was a recent survey that ranked the hotel Wi-Fi as the number one amenity that people are looking for. So it's no longer the number of channels that you can get on the TV. We've even seen cases where a hotel offers either room service or Wi-Fi, and people go ahead and pick Wi-Fi. So in terms of attracting you know, more people to your hotel, having them return after they stay, we're seeing Wi-Fi being a very, very important criteria. Yeah, it is. If I want to work from my room... Uh, I have to have decent internet, period. And it's not just because I record. It's just for everything I do. Uh, I have to be able to upload and download files, et cetera, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about obvious stuff here. But when the Wi-Fi is terrible, it's incredibly annoying and prevents me from doing what I need to do while I'm there. I could care less about room service. And I could care less about how many channels are on the stupid TV that I'm probably not going to watch. I want the Wi-Fi to work, though. And I just – I. <laughs> And it's so frustrating because it very consistently – it's so bad, you actually start to learn the workarounds. Oh, this is this kind of a system. And I think if I do this and lean this way, I can probably get it to work for another 24 hours kind of thing. I remember once we were staying in a hotel, Ethan, and the Wi-Fi was performing at about a megabit per second and we were grumbling. And I got a cable out and plugged it into my Ethernet jack and it ran at 150 megs. Yes. I do remember <laughs> that. I do. That was in Spain. Remember that one? Yes. It was in Barcelona. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's just unbelievable. Uh, Cambium, guys, what about just plain old enterprise? Do you, you know, like a, the, the standard sheetrock and drop ceiling office building, do you fit in there as well? We do. And we fit in there with our E400. So it's an extremely lightweight access point, it sits very flush. Uh, and one of the things people have deployed it like it is that it's it's a very low profile AP. Uh, it comes with uh, a POE injector, comes with uh, a back, uh, a nice little metal plate that you can put above the false ceiling and, and then simply screw on the AP to the ceiling. Uh, very quick and easy to install. The antenna patterns on that are designed for uh, to mount it either for on the ceiling or on the wall. And our E400 has been used in uh, quite a few office deployments as well in, the, in both North America and in Asia. And we support a number of features that can make an enterprise install much more easier and uh, for the users to have a good user experience. So the hospitality segment typically tends to run open access points or they have hotspot 2.0, both of which we support. For the enterprise, you would typically see WPA2 enterprise, so radius server backend. And then, um, so we support multiple radius servers per SSID. You can load balance and failover between the servers. 
We also support enterprise fast roaming. So 802.11R, opportunistic key caching. So we have a number of features that, that we expect would be enabled and used in uh, small to medium enterprises with the E400 access point. And, and uh, co combine that with the flexibility of either deploying it with a controller or without a controller, it makes for a very quick and easy install. Uh, one, one interesting point on, the, on deploying without a controller all of our APs, uh, you can roam across these APs. So when you, when you move from when you move around and your client attaches from one AP to another, you don't need a controller in the mix for our uh, access point solution to work. So this is a controller-less roaming, and we can support up to uh, 1,000 clients without a controller. And the, and the APs take care of all of that burden. So, so is there a magic uh, line you can draw where you say this should have a controller, and, and but we don't need a controller here? You get some of the benefits with a controller in that uh, your network is much more easily managed and optimized. But you know, unlike uh, old legacy systems where you needed a little appliance sitting in the closet somewhere uh, managing all these clients, we we're, we're able to pack much more power into our access points. So you can you can now run these clients, uh, these access points, exchange information among them, and, and they can support it. When you when you typically cross more than twenty. At that point, we recommend you have a controller, not so much for roaming, but for the purposes of being able to manage these access points much more easily, being able to do upgrade, monitoring, and configuration. You're saying controller, and I, I, I want to make sure we're clearly defining exactly what this box is doing. Now, historically, as I've done some enterprise Wi-Fi deployments, the controller is not just the management device, not just where you like define policy and it gets pushed out to all the APs. He would also be like a, a tunnel egress point or a traffic egress point because uh, the access points would stand up a CapWAP tunnel back to that controller frequently. Didn't always have to be that way, but that was pretty normal so that that controller was in the traffic flow. Are, are we talking about that where, you're, where a controller could be in the traffic flow or is it strictly policy management? Good point. So th this term has got abused in the industry so much so it, 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 it requires some clarification. So when we say a controller, we mean both a management system and something that can also do the control function across the access points. Uh, what, what we support is called local breakout. So we, we can take traffic without going to the controller. But where you have our server software running on a gateway, we can also tunnel the traffic into, into that controller. So what we've really defined is a new category of controller where it's completely flexible Depending on the size and complexity of your network, you can deploy our access points without that centralized centralized point, or you can deploy it with our centralized point, but choose not to tunnel the traffic into it. So we don't use CapWAP, which, which we think is highly inefficient. Instead, we, we have our own secure uh, shell-based communication between our, our controller and our access point. But if you're also in an environment where you would do want to tunnel the traffic for whatever reason into one central point, we support layer two over GRE tunneling as well uh, that takes the data straight into that controller. And we also support uh, L2TP as well, layer two tunneling protocol. So we give you multiple flexible ways in which you can size, scale, and deploy your network. And you can push everything through the controller if you want, but you don't have to because you've got local breakout, which, right, you just, uh, which would make sense if you're managing an access point that's maybe very far away, not local to you but still part of your enterprise. Maybe it's just across the WAN somewhere. You wouldn't want to bring all that traffic back to wherever the controller is. Just drop it off locally. That, that's correct. And, and you also uh, don't have the cost problem when you're just buying five APs or three APs, and then you've got to buy one controller for some extortionate amount just to do one deployment. 
exactly and, we we don't play that uh, razor razor and razor blade <laughs> games yeah and and you walk away going did that person just steal something from my pocket is that i still got my rings and my watch <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> let me check because i just feel that's uncomfortable Do you know <laughs> that's right and, and and this is a very conscious decision on our part because we have customers uh, you know ranging from north america to sub saharan africa to uh, interior parts in asia and and we're we're building an architecture that can scale and bend and flex depending on the on the size and complexity that these customers want so no we don't, we don't have any uh, any included overheads or any hidden overheads Actually, you guys make a really big deal about pricing because we talk about features and functions and your technology. It might be easy to come to the conclusion, okay, Cambium is a premium price solution, but in fact, that's not the case. You've made a very big deal as Cambium of being reasonably priced. Can we talk about that? What, what sort of dollars are we getting into to buy access points, to buy a controller, et cetera? Sure. Cambium's uh, been in the market for a very long time. We're, we're known for building very reliable products. And one of the things we've done with our Wi-Fi product is not only continue to build reliable, cutting-edge products like we've always done before, but we've also added affordability into that mix. We've made uh, pricing a very key cornerstone of our design decisions. Uh, for example, on our indoor access points with all of these features, such as controllerless roaming, uh, ability to tunnel traffic over to a gateway if you so want it, also ability to deploy a lot of these access points in high-density deployments, where these access points are still priced at $199 list price that's retail pricing so they they they're often like a third of the price that you normally pay from uh, other more established uh, brand names or or uh, other vendors uh, on our outdoor access point we've done one better we offer two flavors of outdoor access points we offer a very low end 11n outdoor access point which is priced at less than $150 that's uh, cheaper than my netgear in my house and uh, <laughs> it is my <laughs> substantial yeah amount. $150 comes with everything you need to go put that up and get it running you don't have to then go buy accessories and other things comes with a little ring to attach to a pole comes with a poe injector comes with even an ethernet wire if that's that's what you needed to get that mm-hmm. deployment going and then on our outdoor we followed that up with our 11ac dual band solution Uh, called the E500 and that is priced at $349 and when when you compare that price to the performance it provides uh, to a lot of the uh, other vendors uh, those those vendors list prices are often at $1000 and that's just the access point if that is not sufficient uh, to you know to make it light on the pocket we also throw in a free controller there's no pricing for the controller it's just software you can mm-hmm. you can get it on the cloud so you don't even have to deploy it but for whatever reason you don't like the cloud and you'd want to want to run a server on your own setup you can just download the software for free so the controller is free and there are no ap license fees it's as simple as that there's just one ap you pay for the ap and you get everything that you need so that sounds to me like that's really straightforward one of the challenges with some vendors is this you've got licenses this license for that you're not going down that path you're just looking for a simple and low cost sale. I mean you mean you say when I say low cost I mean for the customer they don't have to spend weeks reading up on features and 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 then arguing with you over what licenses are needed and stuff like that. Absolutely. And and there's no complex spreadsheet to go to to go figure out what the license is. We like to say that you buy not lease our APs. You buy your APs it's going to be fully functional forever. Mm-hmm. You don't need to pay any annual license fees for that. 
<laughs> annual license fees lease. It is. It's a bit like the old days, you know, when you used to buy a car on higher purchase, and then all of a sudden there were some hidden costs down the track. Correct, correct, and that's you know that's one of the things that uh, pisses customers off a lot when they when they when they get thrown one price and then they have to find all these accessories and license fees and everything mm. just before they you know before their first client attaches to their network. Yeah, there's a, and for the sorts of customers that you know I can see there's a lot of customers for your gear. The cost of administering a year-on-year fee is actually very high. The internal cost for you know I've got to raise a purchase order and evaluate how much I'm going to spend every year. That's actually got a real dollar value attached to it. And that's money that they don't have to find. Do it once and get it done. Absolutely. That flexibility is quite unusual. Is that just because your business is put together different? I mean, after all, you came out of Motorola all those years ago. So you had all that Motorola wireless experience. You had the products. You know, is that just the way you've always decided to do business? Is that just what suits the wireless market? I think uh, that's what we think the world needs. Uh, You've got, you know, you've got anywhere from, depending on who's counting, at least four out of seven billion of the people around the world are underconnected or unconnected. And that's mm-hmm. one of our very key focus areas is to make sure that we are able to bring this connectivity uh, down to these people through service providers, through enterprises, uh, you know, which whatever way we get these, uh, these, uh, the equipment that people need to get internet in their hands. And so we made uh, affordability a cornerstone of our uh, design decision. We think that's what, you know, it's, it's really more about what, what we think the people in the market need. So that we think is a missing piece in okay. the Wi-Fi puzzle. And you also said that the controller is available in the cloud. Is that the same? That's just like if you want to use it, there it is. You can use it. So if you've got internet connections and the Wi-Fi can reach them, you can just run the controller from the cloud? That, that's correct. When, when you power on any of our APs, it automatically talks to the cloud. Uh, you can claim that AP in the cloud as yours. And once you do that, from there, you can configure it from the cloud. So as long as you have internet access, it's pretty straightforward to turn these on mm-hmm. and get them up and running. One of the things we want to point out is, for example, in our outdoor APs, we have features like LTE filtering built in. That's another feature that was typically found in access points, $1,000 and up. So we're really hitting that uh, that point, that pain point in the market of bringing really good affordable features at very attractive price points. So Cambium, guys, we've gotten through a lot of material and uh, talked about a lot of products here. So if people want to find out more, first of all, wh- where do they go? Is there a landing page they can head to? Well, they can, they can go to cambiumnetworks.com. We also have a special page, cambiumnetworks.com, packet pushers for anyone who's listening on the show. For those first 50 people who come in there and apply for one of our access points, we'll offer that to you at a very deep discount. And if you're a war or a system integrator, uh, Cambium has some great deals for you. Uh, we offer deal protection if you'd uh, like to register a deal with Cambium and use our equipment. We also offer uh, system engineering services, so we'll help you get off the ground, uh, get familiar with our equipment, and if you have any installation issues, uh, Cambium is there to support you. Oh, nice. Right. You, you sell the end users, but then, of course, right, VARs and SIs can work with Cambium as well, so that makes good sense. Well, our thanks to Cambium for sponsoring the show today, to Puneet, Chitan, and Trevor for chatting with us about everything in the Cambium product line. And thanks to you for listening to Packet Pushers today. By the way, it's a sponsored show, and without our sponsors, we don't get to do what we do here at Packet Pushers. So thanks again. Visit PacketPushers.net for this and all of our shows and other free resources like our community blog, our virtual toolbox, and our newsletters. You can follow us on Twitter at Packet Pushers. You can find us on LinkedIn, like us on Facebook, and rate us on iTunes. And last but not least, remember that too much technology would never be enough.